0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 808, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 12. Let's read the passage. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked him, did Moses command us to give divorce papers and to send her away? He told them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts, but it was not like that from the beginning. I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. He responded, Not everyone can accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who is able to accept it should accept it. This is the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. He's giving us this teaching, preaching, healing ministry of Jesus, they have left Galilee and are on their way to Jerusalem. Now, we saw that they've gone to the region of Judea. Matthew doesn't give us the details of the journey, exactly where they are at each point in time. But they're either en route heading south, or they're already in the vicinity of Jericho. Jericho is a city in northeast corner of Judea, very near the Jordan River. And they're probably in that vicinity on either side of the Jordan River. They're either still in Perea on the east side of the river or in Judea itself on the west side of the river. Sometime they make that transition and it's not clear and it's not really important. But they're heading to Jerusalem. And that is chapters 19 and 20 are this journey to Jerusalem. There's not a lot of journey to it. but. It's interactions primarily with Jesus' disciples. Now here today, we're seeing a confrontation with Pharisees, but the big point of it is the teaching that actually occurs with his disciples afterwards. When they leave Jericho, he'll heal two blind men, and we'll see some crowds in the background, in the interaction with the mother of two of his disciples. But the primary storyline here in chapters 19 and 20 are his interactions with the disciples and challenging their understanding of normal values. Maybe talking about things like marriage and possessions, children, position in society. So it's really challenging the basis of their value system as they're heading toward Jerusalem. So let's pick it up in chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? So, specifically, the Pharisees are trying to test him. They want to challenge him. They want to get him to say something that they can then charge him with later for saying something scandalous. Or they're trying to get him into trouble. And they specifically ask him about divorce. Is it lawful to divorce your wife on any grounds? Now, the background scripturally for this is Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, and it says, If a man marries a woman, but she becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he may write her a divorce certificate, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. If after leaving his house she goes and becomes another man's wife, the second man hates her, writes her a divorce certificate, Hands it to her and sends her away from his house, or if he dies, the first husband who sent her away may not marry her again after she has been defiled because that would be detestable to the Lord. Now, what this specifically says is if you divorce your wife, you have to give her a certificate of divorce. And then if she goes and marries someone else and divorces him, you can't remarry her. That's really what it says. It's not giving any real rules about divorce. It's assuming divorce happens due to sinful behavior, but it's giving a regulation on what happens then. The two regulations are the certificate of divorce and you can't remarry a woman you've already divorced. And a question, the big debate of the day, and even to today, is what is something indecent? It says he divorces her because he finds something indecent about her. And so the debate, what is something indecent? And there were two lines of thought. One is pretty much anything. Anything she did wrong could be something indecent, and therefore he was permitted to divorce her. Or just specifically the charge of infidelity. That would bring about divorce. That was the two schools of thought Now, if you really step back and look at the passage in Deuteronomy, it didn't say he was justified for divorcing her. It just says he did because he found something indecent. If you divorce your wife, then you have to give her a certificate of divorce. It didn't say that was a permitted thing to do. And so they ask Jesus, where do you come down on this? Can you divorce your wife for anything or just for infidelity? Now, this may be a loaded question because they're likely still in Perea, on the east side of the Jordan River. And that is under the rule of Herod Antipas, who killed John the Baptist because he was criticizing Herod's divorce. He divorced his wife, and his sister-in-law divorced her husband, and the two got married, and John was very critical of that. He ended up in prison and then being beheaded. So maybe they're trying to get Jesus to say something critical of Herod to get Jesus into trouble here. Jesus responds, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? So he's appealing to Genesis 1 here. God created men and women differently, but complementary. Verse 5. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a quote from Genesis 2:24. So he's looking back to Genesis 1 and 2. He's not looking at Deuteronomy. He's looking at Genesis. Deuteronomy is regulating sinful behavior. Genesis 1 and 2 is God's design. So Jesus is saying it is God's design that men and women marry, and they are joined together as one flesh. And verse six, so they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. So here you say in this marriage relationship, this union and marriage is being joined by God Himself, and that's not something people can set aside. Verse seven. Why then they asked him, Did Moses command us to give divorce papers and send her away? So they're basically said, What about Deuteronomy twenty four, one through four? We just read that. Now, notice it did not command divorce. What it commanded was give divorce papers if you're divorcing your wife. Verse 8, he told them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts, but it was not like that from the beginning. So, the certificate of divorce is a regulation to sinful actions. There's a lot like that in the Old Testament. Regulations or sin. If you injure someone, you're supposed to pay restitution. So you can't take from that that you're permitted to injure someone as long as you pay restitution. No, no, the pay and restitution was a result of the sinful behavior of injuring someone. So similarly, the divorce certificate is a regulation for sinful behavior of divorcing your wife. And continues to verse 9. I tell you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Now, just on the surface, this sounds like he's agreeing with the position that divorce is allowed for infidelity. Well, there's a lot of debate on this. It's been going on since then, continues till now, and will continue in the future. Huge debate, always on When is divorce permitted? What's a scripturally based divorce? When does God allow divorce? And it sounds like here Jesus is saying it's allowed for sexual immorality. Now, he says sexual immorality. The Greek word is pornea, which is a pretty broad word. It does not equal adultery. There's a word for adultery. In fact, he uses it in this sentence, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So he uses the word adultery here. The word porneia, sexual immorality, is a pretty broad statement, and you really need context to define it. And back in the Old Testament, actually, the penalty for adultery was death. So it's hard to even look back to the Old Testament for support there. So, what does it mean? And that's one of the big debates. What does he mean here? Sexual immorality, hornea. But we have to go back to Jesus' argument here. Jesus says, You guys have got it wrong. The the question is not when is divorce permitted? It's not. The, The regulation in Deuteronomy is where divorce already happens. And not everybody would agree with me here, but I think Jesus is really speaking to motive here. Because remember, Jesus always ratchets it back to, okay, you know the rules. Let's get back to the motive and the heart. If you're divorcing your wife because you want another wife, that's adultery. If you're divorcing your wife because she's committed adultery, well, then that's adultery. So I think he's basically saying all divorce is adultery. And he's really pushing back against their entering argument, when is divorce permitted? And I think we fall into that so often when we're analyzing this and the other passages that speak to divorce, we're always looking for when is a divorce permitted? And we need to step back to God's design doesn't include divorce. It's intended to be permanent. And when we start trying to analyze the words and the, the grammar structure and put them all together and come up with when is divorce permitted, I don't think Jesus is saying, Divorce is permitted in this case. I think he's speaking of motivations. And this is a big, ongoing, continuing debate that will continue. Then his disciples say to him in verse 10, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. They're basically saying, you mean there's no escape clause for marriage? And I think that speaks to he's not agreeing with the only in the case of adultery position Jesus has taken it way beyond that. Their question is, well, you mean there's absolutely no way to get out of a bad marriage? Verse 11, he responded, not everyone can accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. What saying is he talking about? To live single. It would be unthinkable in that society at that time for someone to never get married, never have a family, to remain single and celibate his entire life. Verse 12, for there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made that way by men. and There are eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. One who's able to accept it should accept it. Now, this is the response to their comment about not getting married. A eunuch, in traditional understanding, is someone who's been castrated. And it would be done by a king for male attendance. Watching over his harem so that they would not be tempted to mess with the members of his harem, but here he's using a broad term of someone who is celibate, and he says there's three kinds of eunuchs: those that are born that way, meaning something physically with them prevents them from engaging in sexual relationships; there are eunuchs who are made by men, meaning they were castrated, and then those who've made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. This is speaking of people who have consciously decided, based on God's direction and empowerment, to remain single and celibate for their lives. He's basically saying, you have to be empowered by God to this, by this and directed by God for this. Not everybody can accept this. So it is an option to not be buried. But it's something that if you can't do that, then then don't. So what will we do with this? Well, what I think we don't do is fall into the trap of trying to analyze it and look for the loopholes like the Pharisees. What is a proper divorce? When is divorce allowed? But look instead to God's design, as Jesus did. God designed men and women to complement one another, to come together, be joined, and be one flesh permanently. Now, problem we live in a sinful, fallen world. And people commit sinful acts because they're sinners. And marriages do break up. It, it is a, a fact. Marriages break up because of unfaithfulness. Not that they have to. Some marriages can be restored after unfaithfulness. It's hard work, but it can be done. Remember the whole discussion of the discourse on relationships was about reconciliation. There can be reconciliation within a marriage even after unfaithfulness but they break up because of abuse. There can be reconciliation there. But marriages do break up, and it's a fact of life. And just as Moses gave regulations for when it happens as a result of the sin, that's how we should look at it. Marriages do break up, but the question is how do we preserve marriages? How do we keep marriages healthy, prevent them from breaking up? But then also how do we... Minister to people who are affected by divorce. Look back to God's design, but then also apply that to the fact that we do live in a sinful, fallen world. And how are we agents of God's mercy to those who've been injured? Thanks for joining me. Joy, Join Megan. next time as we continue working through Matthew.